Anon Girl 0998 says, I put on a dumb girl persona when uncomfortable. I've suddenly come to terms that I put on a dumb girl slash ditzy persona when I'm uncomfortable in social situations, and that seems to be a lot. I used to never be this way. Now that I'm aware of it, it makes me cringe. I don't know why I do it. I'm not stupid. I think I realized it makes people laugh, but now I've noticed that those people are laughing at me and not with me, which, to be honest, makes sense. I make myself look so stupid and immature. Has anyone else been through this or know how to get rid of this annoying self-defense mechanism? Maybe I'm just socially awkward and try to hide behind it. By the way, I'm a 22-year-old female. Cool. Thank you so much for writing in with that question. Mm-hmm. I, I can definitely relate to that. I I would do it contextually. And for me, it was less about awkward social situations than it was... Um, Specifically, it was with my parents mm. and it was in order to get them to do things for me and just sort of hide behind this act of, you know, it's more uncomfortable to show up as my true self and uh, have to kind of try to navigate their world in my way. And it was easier to just kind of be like, well, throw my hands up. I don't know how to do this. Um, so I, I really relate to what you're saying. And I think it's amazing that you have started to see this pattern and look at it critically, not criticize yourself that I want to address that separately, but start to look at it critically mean, meaning, um, question, is this something yeah, I want to keep doing? Yeah. So I think, I think the difference is. She's asking, is this, I've noticed this pattern about myself. Is this something I want to keep doing? Um, She's noticing how other people respond and maybe she doesn't like the feeling of the response that it elicits, like that, that they might be laughing at her, even though that's something initially she intended, it seems like. Um, But I think it's, I think she's being really self-critical about it Um, Mm -hmm. because obviously it's something that it's a skin that she's adapted uh, to maybe avoid some of the discomfort. It's sort of like a, a default avatar, if you will, in order to cope with the anxiety of everyday life and what it takes to interact with other people. And that's something that we're all participants in. We're all aware of it and we all develop different coping strategies to handle. And so I think I I, I would say try to be a little less hard on yourself about the reasons that you're doing it or the outcome or your perception by other people or even yourself, because as you say, it's, it's not your true self. It's, it's sort of a mask that you're wearing to put something in between what's happening outside of you and this raw, more vulnerable self that's behind it that may, may be more authentic or come off as more intelligent, but you know, is, is in there still desiring to connect. So the first piece of advice I would have is to be gentle now that you've made this self-discovery. But I think it's great that you've started to already get precise about what you, what you do and you don't like about it, meaning where it's been valuable or useful. And then what are the elements of it that actually aren't so uncomfortable about wearing a skin that isn't you? Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a role 
that you play in some situations um, for a, a type of belonging, just to have a, an identity in the group. And sometimes it it is fun and uh, it can be satisfying to be like to be the runt or the heel or the person who does the wrong thing, the person who messes things up and then gets other people to laugh at them um, that you feel like, okay, I'm, I have a, a role. I have a, it's better than like being invisible in a group of people. It's, you, even if you're, mm. even if it's some type of negative attention, if it's playful, that can be fun. But then I can see this becoming like a trap, something that you can't escape when you need to be taken seriously, or you do have an idea that you want to be considered smart. Um, you might not want to play this ditzy character and it, it could feel like you're, you're stuck in that flat, like one-dimensional uh, cartoon version in other people's heads and not taken seriously, and that uh, can suck. So yeah, here's I want to give you the option to be this person but not feel forced into it. If you want to be yeah. a, a ditzy, dumb girl, maybe um, lean in like a little more cartoony and do more of a voice with it or like uh, some exaggerated body movement so that it's a clear difference that like this isn't my real speaking voice but like all of a sudden I'm this person <laughs> and you've done that and like I wouldn't people wouldn't um, mistake that for like oh Rob's being his real Rob self when he, he said that line um, because it had such a different uh, tone to it yeah um, and then as for how to like actually break out of this I think it's a good idea to write down the specific actions, the specific words you said, like the lines of dialogue that you have regretted or that people were laughing at you for. And then ask yourself, what could I have said as an alternative to this? And how do I think that people would have reacted to that? And just write that down as like a, a substitute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm curious, too, about what are the other characters that show up in your everyday life that maybe you haven't noticed yet or maybe are just very slight variations on your your normal personality or your unfiltered mm -hmm. personality. And the other thing that I want to question. Create is, like a wise old sage character. The, <laughs> yes, the antithesis. The tree from Pocahontas if you want to be her. Grandmother Willow. <laughs> yeah, do that kind of character, too. Start sprinkling that in. And now you have some versatility. Yeah. One of the things that... Were you curious about, Morgan? Um, yeah. So, well, two things. I got, I've got. i got a lot to say. Okay. Um, wow. Yes. The, one of the things that I was going to say that I kind of question is, do your friends and the people that you interact with really mistake this character for you? Or are you just afraid that they will or assuming that they might? Um, because I would, I would think that you probably have people in your life that can know you well enough to see beyond this and maybe playing along with this character that you've adopted but not making the mistake of confusing the two of you because we all play different roles in in different contexts with different people mm -hmm. and I, I would start to document too I, you've started to but I would I would continue to get more precise maybe about what kinds of awkward situations or with whom or what is the context really where this particular character comes out? And why might it be safer to be dumber than your normal persona? What what part of you that wants to per be perceived as smart is hiding behind this? Um, and you could even use this. This is 
what I was going to say. So it's segueing into this. Try to play a dialogue game okay. between this character and what you see as more of your neutral, unfiltered self. And you can kind of interview her like, okay, maybe thinking of a specific interaction, like Rob said, where you're, you know, dissecting what was going on there and ask her, why, why did you show up in this moment? What, what were you trying to do? What was your goal? Uh, or what were you perhaps hiding from what was uncomfortable and really getting a sense of that transitional process where you, where you flip that switch and try to magnify it so that you can really see what's going on at each stage and why she shows up and what are the sensitive parts of your ego that are underneath that. And you can use a character like the more sage grandmother Willow character maybe to speak with her. And you could even do a whole imagined play where she educates this ditzy character, this this ditzy kind of the side of yourself that maybe wants to be more, wants to be allowed to be more naive and less responsible for knowing everything. Um, I would also ask yourself, who in my life does this remind me of? Who Who is this character based on? What are the elements of different people in my life that I'm calling together into this version of me? Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can do in terms of character play. And I think that it's such a rich um opportunity to for us to explore different parts of ourselves by giving different voices to them and how old does this girl feel like you mentioned at the end of the question that you're 22 but what is the age of this ditzier version of yourself maybe Mm -hmm. she's 17 okay what was going on when you were 17 what were your what were you trying to do who are you trying to fit in with what was uncomfortable about being that age and just keep kind of put on put on a Put on a detective hat and be that character to suss out with compassion more details about why this person emerges and really what is the difference between her and the person that you want to be that you're continuing to grow into. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. I was, I was excited about this question because like I said, I did the same thing and I didn't like that version of myself either. I, I was like, I know I'm smarter than this and I know I'm default after a while, after doing this interrogation, I figured out that, um, that, that the reason that I was doing it was to continue to maintain dependence in the face of overwhelm, mm. um, and to just have things sort of done for me and that not have to do parents. the hard work with my parents. Yeah, exactly. My guess with a non girl is, is that it's a discomfort of, making other people feel inferior or lacking in some way. And mm. uh, so it's like a taking self on that role belittling. Yeah. Just to, uh, that's like more comfortable than uh, maybe making someone feel like they are dumb. Um, yeah. Feel more comfortable just like playing the dumb person. It's sort of like being um, a jester <laughs> in a yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't always want to um, be the jester. You don't want to feel the butt mm-mm. of jokes all the time. I think picking up a, a new element of your dress style could be like a cue to you that if you start wearing a neck scarf or uh, something like that, you might feel like, okay, uh, what would a person who's wearing this behave like? And that can be a, a powerful, like I find when I change outfits, it, it makes me want to fulfill the expectations I imagine other people have mm. of a person wearing those clothes. 
So if whatever you think is a ditzy outfit, um, I don't know, like a boa and a tiara and like cleavage, maybe some pearls. Two different you, shoes. Is that ditzy? Big high, yeah, big platform shoes, um, like blue makeup. Um, that to me, glitter, that's my stereotype of ditzy. Um, if you removed some of those elements, if any of them are in your wardrobe and, and swapped them out for something whatever is unditzy for you, then like looking at yourself in the mirror, you might be tempted to use a different tone, say different things, play a bit of a different character. Yeah. I love the idea of experimenting with the dress, the costume, really making it make this character come alive. Um, they've, Mm -hmm. they've done studies and this is such an imprecise reporting, but on just, (laughs) just like (laughs) please tell us about the studies they've done. They, the big, they capital T, um, about how people, interact differently with an authority figure when they're wearing like a white lab coat to, you know, look like a doctor or something. There may even have been a gender divide, yes. but it's just like amazing how people respond so differently and, and treat voices like, Oh, this must be an authority. And, and this is someone I should trust just because of maybe what they're wearing, maybe some of the, the tone of their voice. So these things really do have an impact on people's perception on an unconscious and sometimes conscious level. So I, I really admire you for taking this deeper dive and trying to get more conscious about the way that you are showing up in the world. I think that that's a formula for great success as you move forward and continue to grow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that this self-examination won't stop here. And this is a important step towards growth and um, and finding the right people who uh, you can be the person that you want to be around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if that person is ditzy sometimes, great. Yeah, that's OK. Great. I sometimes I love playing that mm-hmm. role. And that's not it's not such so much of a role. A lot of times I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I ask questions about uh, things that seem basic to me. And I, I definitely did grow up in a world where it was important to show off how smart you were. And so that is a difficult thing sometimes for the ego. But the more I think that we can go about life judging ourselves and other people less, the better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can reframe it as shits. curious and, uh, growth-minded, someone yeah. who's brave enough to be willing to admit what they don't know instead of pretending like they already know everything that other people are talking about. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All right, guys. Welcome to Free Advice. Let's hit them with the music. Free advice. 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 Would you like free advice? All right, advisees, welcome back to Free Advice, episode 66. Oh, my God. That's Morgan Beard. And that's Rob Zaleski. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today, Morgan? I am good. I have had oh, a good. recent shift in my schedule where I am now free before this recording. I used to have a client, yeah, and yeah. they are now later in the week. And I have time to really think about how I want to spend my week and what are the things that have been rattling around my brain from last week? And what are the 
changes I want to implement. So I've done a lot mm. of reflecting and reading and writing and then I have more energy to do this podcast and my mind's a little clearer. It's great. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing swell as well. Um, yeah. All, all the things that you said, I feel clear. I feel ready to tell the people what they need to know. Um, <laughs> did you got any advice calls that you'd like to ask me for? Anything that you want advice on? I'll ask a little question. Right. I have. How do you make been... your coffee less better? <laughs> I know you're going to tell me. I know you're going to tell me about that. Throw but, a pinch of salt um, in there when you're brewing it. I can't believe that's a thing. Take a little bit of the bitterness out. Okay, what's your next question? I'm going to have to try it tomorrow morning, and I'll report back maybe next week. Try if I remember, it tonight. But we often don't. Well, I'm not going to have coffee tonight. <laughs> Are you it. insane? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? I'm trying to stay up all night? Maybe. No, never. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I pulled an all-nighter like once in high school, and it was- Science project? Tremendously uncomfortable. I had science multiple projects. Project. I had a lot of oh, projects. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, yeah actually, one of the things gone. was a science project. It was like I had really? to make I had to make some kind of like it was my biology, some biology like uh, we had to make a I don't know a big something. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I remember <laughs> lots of the details. Um, and I just remember drinking a Monster Energy drink, which is something I rarely did, but trying to be Ooh. like, all right, I'm gonna pull an all nighter. I'm going to have my energy. And it just made me just completely like no more mentally clear, but just kind of like on edge and like, rah, rah! like mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine it's how someone would feel like taking a lot of steroids. I don't know. Um, you know that, and- uh, Kanye, you go ahead. <laughs> go <laughs> <ahead>. <laughs> the last detail before you launch into a Kanye West story is <laughs> I remember, I remember making these like I had these dolls and it was like a before and after of like not exercising and and eating crap. And so I remember like stuffing the second doll, like full of extra fluff and like unbuttoning their pants because I had all these doll clothes and just trying to make the second one like fat and unhappy and like (laughs) (laughs) the tragic result of poor self-care and the first one like fit and healthy. I don't know what kind of basic ass like biology project that would have been it sounds but. like no the, those um physical props really add to the memorability of a clearly it's the only thing i remember <laughs> that's, that's how people remember shit yeah. Oh, yeah the one with the fat doll it was overstuffed and yeah. the pants unbuttoned yeah anyway kanye he's got this song called monster with oh, uh Nicki yes. minaj and jay-z and rick ross i know it well and uh yeah I just think it would be funny if the inspiration for that song was him getting real hyped up on monsters in the studio <laughs> one night. And be like, we're going to drink a bunch of monster. We're going to make this really scary song. <laughs> it's going to be really, really spooky to everybody. I'm going to go We're all going to drink like three or four monster energy drinks. <laughs> three to four. A reasonable amount. No, that's a lot. I no, I know. I I, I've only ever had one of these things, I think. Yeah, but. no. I don't recommend it. It does not get my seal of approval. No. I try to stay away from all these high fructose corn syrup drinks. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Icky. That's good. I, I, I'm glad that we did that segment of the show. Are, are you ready to move on <laughs> to, to more advice? Okay. The question I was going to ask you was. Um, oh, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, no, no, it's, <laughs> I knew there was No, something. it's totally cool. Um, luckily, I had a, like a feather in my cap, which I often neglect and, and forget what I was talking about five minutes ago. But um so as I often do, I have neck and upper back pain. Mm. And 
recently I remembered that I had this like electric stim little portable machine with um, these little. It's kind of like a defibrillator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sends an electrical impulse, and it's got it's got these little pads, and you just stick them on um, externally. Did they tell you not to do it over your heart? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Because I guess then you so just die. Basically, is a defibrillator. <laughs> Instant death. Okay. Instant death. Or yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and I woke up the next day after doing that, which hel- mm-hmm. helps. It definitely. I love them, and I rec- that I recommend highly. Monster, no. Little little stim treatment, hard yes. Um, but I woke up and I was so what, sore. What would a person Google to get those? Um, portable stim machine. I don't know. STIM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you may need a couple other keywords, but that'll get you there. Um, so woke up the next day with just so much soreness, like as if I had really like overworked it. Um, but it definitely felt like on the other side of healing, like it was on the positive side, but it's really illuminated for me this like big ass knot that is kind of the backside of my heart. Um, just in case anyone out there Whoa. wants to talk, tackle the metaphysical significance possibly of this particular knot, sure. um, likened to the weight of a lot of emotional responsibility. But I've been trying to really like work and penetrate and loosen and soothe this knot now that it's kind of been stimulated and opened. And I've been using tennis mm-hmm. balls, rolling them uh, on between my back and the floor and a little bit of stim and some stretching. But I was wondering what suggestions do you have for tackling tough to reach muscle knots? Mm. Um, The Epsom salt hot bath. Ooh. I think can can get pretty deep. Yeah. That's a good one. I haven't done that yet. If you have that available to you. Um, Hanging. Uh, vibrating back massager. When you say hanging, you, what do you mean? I hang from a bar mm. or chandelier or some type of something <laughs> attached to the healing, swing ceiling. A, a rope, make gorilla sounds. A rope swing in the um, Iredell Lane of oh, yeah. Ryman Canyon. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's about all I got. Okay. Thank you for your input. Yeah. Do you have any questions? You're welcome. You were just going to tell me about the salt and the coffee, and I was going to tell you. Sounds weird, but I'll try it. Um, do I have any questions? Um, I've started shaving my facial hair uh, to be even. I noticed one side like <laughs> creeped up closer to my mouth than the other, and I was like, "Man, it's been like this for months, just lopsided, and no one's told me." So, I don't know. I guess you just want to be congratulated on that. If you have. <laughs> Facial balancing <laughs> techniques. <laughs> Listen, I haven't taken a lot of pictures. <laughs> Spent a lot of time looking in the mirror. Um, I anyway, I don't know. You know, it's funny. The only thing I really have to say about it is tricks. I didn't notice, number one, that your hair was like that uh-huh. in the recent times I've seen you. It was. Um, and I'm really... C- congratulations, number two, for recognizing that and taking care of it. Um, Thank you. I'll send you a picture and you'll know the difference. I, the only thing that I have to say that may or may not apply to this is they tell okay. you, well, you tell me, you tell me what you <laughs> think of this. I think it's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, 
symmetry is the mark of good beauty? Uh, no. I mean, yes, but that's not what I was going to say. I mean, the the reason that okay. we are biologically or evolutionarily attracted to symmetry is because it shows uh, not being uh, like a resistance to pathogens that would disfigure or otherwise um, make mar, you upside. Yeah, mar one side of your face. Um, mm -hmm. What I was going to say is that when you do a drawing any kind of drawing but mm. i've particularly used this in a in the context of a face like if you're doing mm -hmm. a portrait or it doesn't have to be a drawing it could be a painting whatever um if you look at it either upside down or reversed so in a mirror which in the case of your face you're always looking at it in a mirror right um the imperfections and the asymmetries will be immediately apparent um because of just the, I guess the unfamiliarity of the perspective that you now have mm -hmm. are looking at it in versus just looking at it dead on the way you created it. So I guess the recommendation I have is you could take a picture of yourself and like flip it horizontally or flip it vertically and check for asymmetries that way. I'm hearing shave upside down, hang from my shave knees upside yes. over the shower mm -hmm. door. So your advice for me is hang and my advice for you is hang. Hey, look at that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Symmetry. Awesome. Okay. Let's Should we take some, some questions? Yeah, for, for strangers now. <laughs> future <laughs> friends, future friends and yeah. advisees. All right. Bad Nad asks: Is it weird to ask my neighbor if they want a bag of potatoes? My mom <laughs> received multiple bags of potatoes, and at this point, I really don't think I can make enough food with potatoes before they turn bad. We're a family <laughs> of four. Plus, I really need to stop eating potatoes weekly. <laughs> so I thought the best course is to give them to my neighbor, but I think it might be kind of weird. I don't really talk to my neighbor. Hell, I don't even know their names. We greet in waves like like others, but that's it. So do y'all think it would be weird if your neighbor asked you if you want to bag up potatoes? Edit. I live in the U.S. over at Washington, if that gives any context. Um, okay. All right, bad nad. Bad nad. I guess the biggest concern I would have in this particular moment is people maybe being concerned about coronavirus and infection or strangers touching their food, which I guess has like been a thing for a while. Um, Listen, if you're checking for ripe potatoes at the grocery store, a hundred other people have already squeezed so those true. potatoes that you're checking so for true. too. So like people touch each other's food, just rinse it off. Yeah. Uh I think, um, yeah, someone might be concerned about that, but you can present the potatoes in a way that they don't have to accept this exactly. gift. Exactly. Um, and I think that, I think a, a, a possible way to do it is to leave it at their door with like a note and yep. just then yep. they can decide on their own time if they want to use them or not. And then that way they don't have to reject them in front of you. There's no weird social interaction and yep. it's just a neat and clean potato handoff. Put them in a, a cardboard Amazon box that they can just throw away. That's a good Something, idea. you know, don't give it to them in a gilded bowl that you ask for back. <laughs> and then, you know, you can limit your interactions and just be like, Hey, I had some extra potatoes. Thought I'd share the wealth. Enjoy. If you want. Wow. So succinct. Thanks. So well worded. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, let you not be like the Irish <laughs> and have a potato famine. <laughs> Here's some potatoes. Oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Suggested recipes, including potatoes. Print out the Wikipedia <laughs> article on the 
potato famine and <laughs> scrawl in blood on, on the printout never again <laughs> Never again. Put that on top of the potatoes, then they'll really value it. May, may you and your family never want for potatoes. Yeah. And when you when you go over to their place, uh-huh. you can do high knees and you can call it a starch march. <laughs> That's good. Just a few fun suggestions. <laughs> you could take a tuber Uber. Oh yeah. I don't know how far away you live from your neighbor. <laughs> it's like an apartment situation or a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Um, send them a, a carton of potato juice and call it spud blood. <laughs> right. Or you could just mash them and call it spud mud. Hey, that's also good. Yeah. And you could create yeah. a, tra- a trail of potato-based footprints <laughs> leading from your place to their place. <laughs> All this right. is getting ridiculous but it's i think you get the hand. idea like mm-hmm. you can definitely offer them potatoes but as we always say about gifts on this show is you you can't you can't have expectations for how they're going to receive be received or not right. received if they decide to use these as ammo in their like little pellet potato gun hey <laughs> they're having fun with it and you got what you wanted of uh, you're not eating so many potatoes every week yeah a potato plague on both your houses and they'll just mm. fire them at your roof Mr. Potato Head. Oh, my God. I actually made a live potato Mr. Potato Head once, Uh I think, for a school project. I called him Ralph. Did he sprout some roots? No, he, no, he, I just glued feathers onto him, like hair. I think he had a little hat. Maybe his arms and legs were like toothpicks. I mean, he didn't look great. I'll be honest. (laughs) But but it was creative. (laughs) It was fun. Scary. Yes, you could also turn the potatoes into an art project if you were feeling more comfortable about that. But I think I think the idea of trying to give them to someone who you think would use them um, or, you know, trust you enough to use them. I think that's a great idea. And I love that you are yeah, hoping not to waste them. Hey, speaking of inventive uses of food as toys. Yeah, I heard it is rumored the Cleopatra, you know, of the Egyptians. (laughs) No, the other Cleopatra. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just let me just say, Cleopatra? Of <laughs> you the interrupt Egyptians. me all the time. I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna that out there. I want to hear your thing, but anyway. Thank you. No, this is good. <laughs> this is built suspense for the listener. They're like, yeah, yeah. What about her? <laughs> I'm fascinated. Cleopatra of the Egyptians is rumored to have had gourds filled with live bees as kind of a prehistoric vibrator whoa that's an amazing food related fact live bees inside of a gourd vibrating penis toy that sounds hot honestly like i think the idea of it teeming with life and it's sort of dangerous like that's a spicy ass dildo do you think that there's an Etsy market for this kind of thing today <laughs> when we have all these rabbits and Hitachis and I'm gonna tell designer you, brand Lulos? Here's my thought. Not sure how well what? bees ship live bees. Could there be a market for selling bee seeds or eggs or whatever they come bees. in and then having people raise their own bees? <laughs> you raise your own bees kind of like sea monkeys and then you put them in the board. It's like a kit. <laughs> is this cruel somehow is is there any worry about this being like sexual abuse of bees potentially i there is definitely a subset of people that would not be happy about this i'm sure 
There's a subset of people that are going to be not happy about literally anything. You can't please them all. You're right. (laughs) Sure. All right. Glad I got to bring that. I'm so happy that you did too. And I'm sorry for interrupting you and making everyone wait patiently for that fact. But it was a good one. It was a real zinger. Good banter. Hey. Hey. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Our next question comes to us from False MC. Mm. False MC says... As a straight guy, I want to pierce one of my ears. Left. Should I go for it? I know people are going to be stupid and debate which ear means what in real life and online, but I just want to have my ear pierced because it's cool, but I'm debating whether I should go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. totally go for it. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I went for it. I'm happy I did. You have both ears pierced, right? I got both of them pierced, yes. Yeah. I liked it that way. Then it wasn't like I was, um, I didn't have to think about code mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. I've heard that uh, you can indicate that you're gay by having your right ear pierced. He says there's some distinction between online and in real life or whatever. I didn't I, know I, what I that was. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm guessing there's different codes and whatnot. For sure. Um, yeah. I got them both pierced. And uh, I wish I had known beforehand that. Uh, Posts are uncomfortable, especially when you're in headphones or trying to lay on your side, sleep, anything like yeah. that. And uh, screw-on caps don't stab your skull. Um, that's about it that I can think of. Um, oh, earrings are cheap. You can just like spend five bucks or less and get lots of different kinds. That's kind of fun to play with. Um, I am someone who has lots of different ear piercings in all different places. And I love to express myself through piercings. Um, So I'm always a proponent of anyone who wants to experiment with something like that. And you know what? You can always take it out. out. Exactly. You can just take it out. And there's a little hole there. Sure. But have you ever heard of somebody being discriminated against for having a piercing hole with nothing in it on their earlobe? No. Um, the other no. advantage, though, to only doing one um, is that you, what? while it's healing, you can sleep on the other side of your face. If you're a face side oh. face sleeper, whereas like when I've gotten one on sure. each at different times, that's a little harder because then you have to be like kind of rigid about how you sleep. And then sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, that feels funny. And if you're getting the lobe pierced, right. too, it's a much quicker healing period than any kind of cartilage piercing. I say absolutely go for it. And anyone that judges you for it, like. Okay, <laughs> so what? <laughs> if you like it, that's all yeah. that counts. It's it's a great way to express right. yourself and get creative. And I hope that you do go for it. It's kind of fun and shiny. Yeah, you can match it with things. I think it's pretty. It's pretty good. I'm happy I did it. I used to think like, oh man, people who have their ears pierced are cool, but I couldn't pull that off. It just wouldn't work for. I'm not cool mm. enough. And then one day I was like, yeah, I'm cool enough. <laughs> That, what do you think changed it? What like set you over the edge into, ah, now I'm cool enough? Um, I think it was... Sorry for that loud. <laughs> you think it was owning a motorcycle? <laughs> it was just like revving my motorcycle really loud. And I was like, I could pull off an earring. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a leather jacket. No, I think um, cutting my hair mm. tight, like a buzz on the sides, um, just made my head feel sleek. Mm. Like, oh yeah, I could have a shiny little rocker piece of metal right there and... 
that would make sense on this, yeah. this head. Yeah. So that's another fun thing you can experiment with is how your hair mm-hmm. do is in relation to your ear piercing now. Mm-hmm. You can funk that up a yes. little bit too. Yes. And I just, I think that in general, the gender binary and what's normal for this gender or what's normal for that gender or what's culturally prescribed like that is just all starting to blur and we're becoming a nice beautiful rainbow spectrum and by piercing your ear and doing what you want to do with your appearance and taking that on independently is showing other people that they can do that with their appearances and the more that we all customize our look and our feel to just be happier more aligned expressions of ourselves like Fuck yeah, it just paves the way for other people to do that. So I think that's awesome. I'll say for me personally, I draw the line at dangly. <laughs> There's no judgment at other men who go dangly with their ear piercings. But um, there is like a, a catch hazard. Yeah. If you're taking off a shirt or putting on a shirt, sometimes it can snag on the ear. Also, um, if you're kissing a person with long hair or you're just like really close to them, you can get their hair caught in your earring and that can be like a wait hold up i'm i'm stuck let's let's unloop this get it out of my ear so um i think that's all worse with the with the dangles i haven't worn a dangle but that even happens with like the studs so um just knowing that yeah. beforehand yeah, so the other you have thing, all the information. The other thing that can happen is if you go to mm-hmm. hug someone and they press their head forcibly into the side of your head that can be painful. Oh, so just, yeah, yeah things to be yeah, aware of. Hurt. Toweling off, if the little p- bits of like terry cloth can get stuck on the back posts. These are just all lots of <laughs> specific. I really recommend the screw-on caps for your everyday. If you want to wear earrings all the time or whatever you're doing for that first month when you have to leave it in, um, having the screw-on back cap yeah. is, is better. Small hoops than a post. Are, can also be a very smooth uh, first choice for an earring if they let mm-hmm. you do that. Kind of a pirate kind of look. A pirate look. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving on to Fancy Ooh. Throwaway Account. Sorry. Ah. Fancy Throwaway ACC. I extended that to account. Asks, how do I stop getting crushes on people who are unavailable for me? I'm a trans girl. I don't pass very well. And I'm straight, attracted to guys. I don't really know why, but I tend to get crushes on straight guys exclusively. Is there any way for me to prevent this? I know they won't like me back, so it's completely unnecessary. And yet, I don't know how to stop. Hmm. Wow. This is a big question, even without the trans component. I think that a lot of us um, find ourselves pining for people we can't have whether they people are into us. not into us married categorically with someone or else, individually yeah mm-hmm. or um live somewhere else i have always found this as a pattern in my life i am woefully attracted to people that i can't have and for me and i am a cisgender female attracted to cisgender males primarily um it's i've boiled it down to it it aligns with a concept of ourself that we are on some level unlovable so we go after people who are going to 
remind us of that, who are going to vibrate in that same wavelength. They are going confirm that suspicion, confirm that suspicion. Exactly. And someone who challenges that is unfamiliar and scary and intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't, we, we, even though we want to be loved, we also are terrified of being wrong and terrified of the unfamiliar. And when our situation of what's familiar is, you know, that, that growing up maybe, or in response to, you know, something a parent did or an early peer experience taught us implicitly or explicitly that we are not deserving of love. We are bad in some way. We, we get attracted to like, as if something on the inside of us is a magnet for this other thing on the outside that, like you said, can confirms that suspicion. And that's a really difficult belief system to overthrow because it's really, like I said, uncomfortable for us to be wrong and to change Mm -hmm. and to let something in that is not only just different from what we're used to, but very intense. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any, have you heard of any ways that you can overthrow this belief system? Certainly. I mean, I'm, I think it's a, it's a very complicated, multifaceted kind of overhaul. You know, it's, it's really like a process of cleaning, decluttering and reprogramming and replacing all of those things and all the things that are connected to that in your brain as you encounter them and really learning to start unearthing those, the core beliefs that underlie our preferences and then uh, challenging them every time they come up. Mm -hmm. And it's a really, it's a, it's a hard process because it's something that's so interwoven into the fabric of who we are, who we thought we were. Um, And then we have to have something positive to replace it with, which means we have to be diligent about telling ourselves that we are worthy of love and seeing the good in ourselves and isolating the the positive ways that people react to us and and sitting with that, really receiving that. When when love comes our way, not either not seeing it because we're not used to seeing it or it conflicts with our, our negative beliefs about ourselves, but we have to actually take a pause breathe and soak it in um, rather than just kind of stand there awkwardly staring at it figuratively um, and just repelling it immediately or rejecting it or refusing it. So I think one way to start doing this in a simple action is observing how you feel when someone gives you a compliment, maybe starting with a friend, Mm -hmm. uh, just sort of a not like a platonic uncomplicated relationship and feel what it feels like to receive love and attention from that person to feel validated by what they have to say about us and just sitting in that moment and expanding the space and time that we spend seeping in positivity to counteract all the time we spend in our own minds steeping in in negativity Mm -hmm. yeah i think it might be okay to just continue having these crushes um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, you don't know for sure that because somebody identifies as straight that they're not going to be into you. You say you don't pass very well. Um, maybe it's a certain type of straight guy that you're attracted to that makes it less likely for them um, to be attracted to you back. But 
uh, I think people, other people are in a process of self-discovery and just because somebody identifies as straight, uh, doesn't mean, uh, I just, I would challenge that assumption. Um, yeah. On top of that, um, I think my general advice for crushes is to remember that this person that you're elevating to like uh, life completing perfect status. Oh, how great would things be with that? They have something seriously wrong with them. They have something that would bother <laughs> the shit out of you. That would just be like hell to you if you were close enough with them. And if you were in um, some type of long-term relationship, whatever your fantasy is like this person has issues as we all do. And um, that issue could become very annoying to you. Conversely, people you don't have crushes on, probably have some really lovely qualities that might not be as immediately apparent, but um, you can try this exercise of people watching maybe in a place where you expect there to be a more receptive audience of people who are more likely to be into you back, but maybe you're not as into them. And um, just try to imagine what this person has been loved by someone, probably they've had some somebody in their life has had a crush on them or has been in a loving relationship with them. Uh, what did that person think about them? What feature of theirs? Is it uh, the way that they touch their ear when they're talking? Is it um, a certain look in their eyes, like a shifty checking back and forth before they lean in and say something? Uh, what are their mannerisms that are lovable? What are the things that you could love about this person? And that's kind of like imagining a crush on different people. Um and you don't have to have a crush on somebody to uh, go on a date with them, to enjoy time with them. Sometimes you can build, if you're looking for a relationship or just like some passion, some connection, uh, it doesn't have to start on a crush, which I think is a lot of like, all right, you match a certain ideal in my mind and I'm going to project a lot of information onto you. Um Yeah. That, that can work, that can be a starting point, but um, I don't think it's necessary to be happy or to yeah. enjoy a connection with somebody. Yeah, I just, quickly, I want to cite that that exercise of trying to find something you're attracted to or yes. imagining something that might be attractive about random passersby comes from a fantastic book called Ethical Slut, mm -hmm. um, which is about expanding into non-monogamous relating. Um. The, the other thing I want to address the trans element yes. specifically within the context of this uh, overarching conversation, because I, I think it both makes it unique and also is absolutely tapping into something universal because when we, when we like someone or are attracted to someone, um, often it's because in some way they are different. Mm -hmm. from us or in some way they are very similar to us and in this case you are a you're identifying female and you're attracted to males that are straight and that's something that's very different from you but it is also in some ways reminiscent of this former identity as a male that you carry and so I think it's really important 
What the, is the, reminiscent the, the, of the? What do you mean by that phrase? Because she's transitioned to a female mm-hmm. from a male identifying person. So if she's attracted to straight men, that means that's that's a both different from how she sees herself, but also reminiscent of who she used to be or who she used to identify as. Okay, so it gotcha. creates this very complicated picture of it's something similar to me that maybe I have a complicated relationship with or wish to distance myself from and also something that is, you know, in opposition to how I, how I see my gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as I think is always the gold standard of things to recommend when people are uh, having a relationship issue is to look at our relationship with ourselves. I think that's the most important work you can do no matter what the problem is really. Mm-hmm. Um, because everything we see in the outside world in some way is a reflection of what's happening in our internal world. So I would do some deep work around, and this is, again, this is what I've done to try to close the gap between the kinds of people I think I want to be attracted to and the kinds of people I find myself actually crushing on and having chemistry with. Um, So starting to look at what are the, how do I think about my masculine or male identity? And that can be two different things. Masculine identity can be very different from a, you know, I am a man or a male. Um, but you know, it's the, those, those parts of ourselves that are, uh, more logic based, more doing planning left brained, you know, those sort of making systems out of things systems yes exactly um and then our what are what is my relationship with my feminine and my female traits the things that are more receptive more creative more inclusive um ephemeral Mm -hmm. and what is my uh, attraction or repulsion to those different elements how do i feel about those things how how have those traits shown up in the people in my life and what messages have I received about being male or being masculine, being female or being feminine and then noticing, okay, how do those show up in the people that I am attracted to versus how do they show up in the people that I think I want to be attracted to, but just can't find myself attracted to. So like when someone's available, what does that mean? It's often very scary when someone's available because it's like, oh God, then they're really going to see me. If they're actually available for deep intimacy with me, then they're really going to see me. Mm -hmm. And that is just fucking terrifying whether we can recognize that on a conscious level or not. Mm. Um, So I I think that's a really great starting work. Being attracted to people that you expect not to be interested back could be a way of defending against being truly seen. A million percent. Yes. Mm -hmm. A million percent. Yes. That's absolutely what I've boiled it down to in my own life. And I I think is, I think is true for, you know, again, a universally, a universal truth. Um, when we're, when we are told or we, you know, we manufacture, we nurture this belief that we're somehow flawed. It's like, what's going to happen when someone sees my quote unquote true self, my flawed self, then they're going to reject it and it's going to mm-hmm. hurt so bad. Um, it, it's crazy, this push pull thing of like, we're so scared of these two uh, opposing things like equally, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> being seen and not being seen. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> being good and being bad, um, being lovable or, or not being lovable. Um, but that's the, the more that I can look at the, these shadow pieces of myself, things that, things that I'm so afraid of, like my own vulnerability, my depression, um, my immaturity, I, I don't know, a million gazillion things. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that I can see those clearly shine some light on them with compassion, the more that, like I said, I, you can close the gap between people that you are, you know, really attracted to or completely repulsed by. And you can spread out this gray area of like, oh, well, this person has some attractive qualities, but maybe they're not igniting me sexually. That sexual ignition is a product to some extent of that person reminding you of some kind of very early on relational dynamic that's often toxic and unhealthy. Um, it's our, our attempt to do something called repetition compulsion, which I talk about all the time and I fucking love. Um, What's repetition compulsion? Repetition compulsion is our deep desire, often unconscious, to repeat in an attempt to master old dynamics old relationship mm. dynamics. Like if I can finally prove to this person who was unavail who was unavailable to me that I'm worthy of love and convert them, that means that I can then master this conflict I had with my mother who was unavailable mm. or, you know, my, my father who, who never saw me truly or what, you yes. know, whatever the thing is. Um, and the way that you get past that is first to become conscious of it and then to actively chip away at it as you start to examine and shed light on more of your behaviors um, and and challenging these things that were once unconscious, making them conscious and rewriting the scripts. But it takes so much time. So please, please, please be patient and gentle, patient and gentle as you start to do this work. That's great. I think that uh, she's really going to enjoy that that advice and that um, invitation for self-exploration. Yeah, I'm really passionate about this issue because it's it's something that I've been, you know, on the spectrum of feeling different intent levels of intensity of it for my whole life, my whole mm-hmm. life. Um, I'm I'm just now really like meaningfully <laughs> starting to crack into this Um coming from my high school boyfriend who made me sick to my stomach when he told me he liked me. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is someone who I had a crush on for like months and then they yeah. turn around and tell me they like me and I'm like, Oh my God, I want to vomit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would never be things. able to fix that. <laughs> Stay unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. I, I right. thank you so much for writing this question. Really, it it's so fantastic, and I I do uh, I would love to hear your feedback and and how it goes. Um, please write to us. We would love to hear from you. Yes, you can write to us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail dot com. That is and always will be our email address. <laughs> Even if you are listening to this years from now. <laughs> yeah. After the empire has fallen and died, we will still be in a basement somewhere with a laptop <laughs> computer answering our advisees. Have you thought about it? Would you want to live through the apocalypse and, and be in a dystopian future? Or would you want That's to be a taken such out a good question. Blast? You know, um, 
So as someone who has for virtually my entire life been passively suicidal and like wanted to die, I'm not, I've always thought, I don't know if I'll have a will to live under more difficult circumstances. Um, but I also hear that, you know, your survival instincts really kick in maybe in a situation like that. So it, it it's hard be, to anticipate. You might feel more alive. That's what I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it's possible. Uh, yeah, I would have to check it out and like, you know, you can always kill yourself later if you wish that you died <laughs> in the blast, I think. That, okay. Um, that is the crux of something really important. You right. can always kill yourself later. Yeah. I've used hmm. that to get myself through so many times. Just like, you know what? I can always make this decision, but I can't unmake it. And that's going to be the crux of my forthcoming <laughs> part self-help, part memoir book called Choosing to Live about not killing yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm hearing if someone is both a, a suicidal and a procrastinator, <laughs> it's important that you solve the suicidal part that's first and not the procrastination part. <laughs> Yes. Put off killing yourself as long as you can possibly muster. Okay. Stay a procrastinator until Stay you've handled the suicidal part, and then you can start worrying about your procrastination. Or you can be selectively less procrastinating. Procrastinatory. Procrastinatory. Yep. Procrastinatory. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. We'll see you next week on again episode 67. And again, and again. Oh my God. Week 67. after that, episode 68. And then you, <laughs> you know guys what know comes how to count. That. <laughs> oh my God. We should make a big deal out of 69. I mean, we'll at least I like we raise will. our eyebrows silently. <laughs> I think new graphic, <laughs> yin yang involving our faces. Yeah. And words for you and advice. Maybe stick yeah. the the leg of the E in between the legs of the A. Mm, that's a sexy idea. We could take all questions about oral sex. So if you have any questions about um, 69ing, oral mm -hmm. sex, yin-yangs, in time for our 69th episode, please write to us at freeinvitepodcast.gmail.com. Yes, mm -hmm. pubic hair. I believe we've advised on pubic hairstyles oh, a couple times. <laughs> it, was, it was very in vogue in our early days, and it's kind of fallen out of fashion. Yeah, we've really stopped talking about buttholes quite so much. Mm -hmm. it used to be oh, a they're, staple. They're coming back. There's a blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> a blast from the NAS past. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Morgan. You're welcome. This is great, as always. Yeah. yeah. All right. And I'm ending it. <laughs> Good night. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> Bye. You're fired.